1: were the stars and the kings of the mid to late round of best ball ADP at the final week of draft time this offseason. That is what we're going to talk about today on the show. We're going to go from rounds 9 through 18 but we might, you know, 19-20 depending on what site you were drafting on, we might throw in a name or two from there but realistically when you get to those rounds uh, there's quite a few names that have seemed to be completely forgotten about in the NFL circles and but they, they may still come into play and there's a few names in those last rounds that even over the last week or two with injuries may be primed into the, the spotlight in the very, very near future. So we'll see how that plays out. So we did last week, Sean Ricard, we did rounds one through eight. I really enjoyed the process going through it, the conversation. I think the listeners enjoyed that one as well. So today, rounds nine through 18. I'm hoping that this is going to you know give us some confidence as we head into the the final stretch here of the the best ball season is that what you're hoping that comes out of this or are you less optimistic
2: well I i don't know about optimism or pessimism i'm excited to look through and see how these drafts went having prepared for the show obviously we know that a decent number of our priority picks late have either hit or are now in the process of hitting and seem like they can be very profitable over the final stretch of the season. I'm excited to see how, you know, these last weeks go. So far in 2022, each week has mostly brought further disappointment for some drafter or another. We don't have a lot of exposure to Cooper Cup because the price is so significant. I mean, nobody has a ton of exposure there because you are balancing that with at least some Jonathan Taylor at least some Christian McCaffrey at least a little bit of Justin Jefferson Jefferson actually went ahead of cup in some formats down the stretch not necessarily surprised with the way Jefferson has played a lot of people were forecasting that but to lose some of these superstars and I always keep going back to the Brees Hall injury has been the one that was most devastating for us with some of our other young guys like a Travis Etienne and like a Kenneth Walker, whom we'll talk about today, really starting to score well. The Hall presence or absence probably going to be the difference between having made a ton of money and just having a solid season. But as we look to these guys in this nine through eighteen range, it's a lot of fun because this is where you have your sleeper slash potential league winners. If a player starts to really score in this range, then you have a guy that you didn't pay those prices for and so i'm excited to look through it it's always an interesting not exactly wake-up call but just a reminder of what was happening during draft season and how things have changed and so to be able to pull out these guys who are scoring points now contrast them with what we know is mostly going to be misses in these rounds i think that'll be a lot of fun
1: yeah it's going to be fun and you know there's times where values were are dipping you even mentioned their cooper cups value started to tail off even though it was still in the top five picks and in pretty much all formats. Um, it is going to be interesting to go through because narrative around some of these players and a couple of rounds will have players like, you know, two to talk about, Justin Fields. Those players would not be going in this range now. So it's it's going to be fun to run through. So we're going to start off, Sean, in round nine. And that there leads us to wide receiver 42 at this point. Uh, the running back that I mentioned first will be running back 34 to give people an idea of where these players are going. It's both tight end 12 and QB 12 in this range we're running through it so we've Kadarius Toney who nothing was really happening Sean now he's with the Kansas City Chiefs probably if you have a roster that's been able to maintain a points total to this point I think he can be fascinating Devin Singletary's that are pretty strong to very good season to this point based on where he was drafted Robert Woods has been extremely quiet Pat Fairmouth had a good season we have Mike Sanders Chris Olave who has really broken out as a, a rookie we have Damian Harris Matthew Stafford Derek Carr and James Cook, George Pickens, and Tyler Lockett. I think this is a very interesting round as to how things could have played out, especially with you know with the wide receivers that were picked here, the differences in how their seasons have gone. I think that the disappointing picks here are probably Damian Harris and, and James Cook. Pat Fairmuth was a, a strong tight end pick at this point. My pick, Sean, in this range for people listening, Devin Singletary is on a huge amount of my roster, so he would have been in there. A little bit of Chris Olave. They were the the main targets for me in this range. Who who were your favorite targets out of this particular round in terms of the value picks at the time?
2: Yeah, you look at Singletary there, hard to really explain that price coming off of the end of the season that he had Pat Fryer move the potential breakout tight end. If you didn't get one of, I mean, I really think it was a big three this year, and then obviously... Cal Pitts has not participated in that. It looked like Waller and Kittle were going to have some issues that they have had. So then Fryermuth becomes the next really good target, especially if you were out on Hawkinson. Colum, you and I have plenty of him. And now that he's with the Vikings, that looks like it's going to be a really cool pick. Then Damian Harris sliding down below Ramondre Stevenson looked like a very good selection and scored quite nicely to start the season the injuries for him have not only limited his scoring but launched stevenson stevenson one of these young backs with elite upside and it's really more of a, a price element there we knew that if injuries would occur for one the other would probably score a lot of points and that's exactly what has happened george pickens another guy who looked like especially in the week before the season that he could be a star he still may But it has been Chris Olave who's been the breakout player at wide receiver. A little bit more neutralized over the last several weeks. He failed to make a catch in week 10 that would have really helped. The inability of Andy Dalton to get him the ball this past week is one of the reasons that it looks like they are heading back toward Jameis Winston, someone who could open this offense back up. And I think that Olave is going to have a very good into the season But we'll call him the the star in week in round nine and this round 9 10 11 range really the sweet spot for zero rb drafting in 2022 the star has been miles sanders he's averaging 14.6 points per game he had that almost 30 point game in week four he has only two appearances in which he was not an rb2 or better until the dud in week 10 a lot of questions for the eagles coming out of that week 10 game where they are more or less dominated by the washington commanders but when you look at this and you see him scoring in double figures already in six games you think about how the eagles Run their offense, what the upside is there for their lead running back. Sanders, again, a player who has been elite before contact, a skill that is often underappreciated when people are always talking about, oh, you know, what did you do after contact? There are guys like Sanders who don't get the credit that they deserve for being explosive runners. He's someone who, I mean, I think there's some risk going forward because. Boston Scott is there. Kenny Gainwell is there. Perhaps this offense isn't as explosive. A player like Miles Sanders, one of the reasons that he lasts to this point, even though he is the starter and what's anticipated to be an explosive offense, is that you lose potentially some of the rushing value to the QB. Maybe you don't have enough of a moat, someone of Sanders' skill level, even though I think it's probably underrated. I mean, you could lose some touches in the second half that those backs being drafted in the first three, four rounds probably aren't as much at risk of, but Sanders has been excellent so far.
1: Yeah, he he is ex- he is has been excellent. He's not somebody that I have a, a lot of exposure to this year, but Sean, this next round, there's a few guys that there's a lot of exposure to, and this was arranged, you know, I mentioned Singletary, James Cook was also going in that same round. There was a lot of kind of fluctuation in the prices of these players. The ADP we're using here is the FFPC $125 baseball tournament Devin Singletary James Cook each report from training camp was kind of changing how they were being valued slightly similar with Harris and Stevenson who you mentioned we have Darrell Henderson in this next round he was obviously kind of anchored to Cam Akers's value we have Kenneth Walker who had the hernia situation and he was obviously in competition with Rashad Penny who is now injured so there's a lot of players here that were kind of moving around throughout these rounds that we'll be, be talking about and that's kind of what we get in those kind of zero rb rounds where they have somebody in front of them that they are trying to surpass so here we have sky Moore, we have arm rogers kirk cousins kenneth walker naheem hines uh, mbs then we have melvin garden Erv smith who obviously is injured at the the present moment in time trail on Barks, who's missed a good portion of the season through injury Darrell henderson albert O, and then we have ron delmore i think the The toughest one for us here, Sean, is going to be tight end fourteen, Albert O, which that season has not uh, come to fruition that we were hoping to have. We obviously knew there was going to be competition from Greg Dulcich, but that the Broncos' o- offense as a whole is kind of falling apart. But he has not stepped up to the plate on any of the opportunities that we've seen him getting. But Kenneth Walker, I think, has to be the the star of this round and moving forward. Rest of season, uh, the players that I think I have the most optimism around are our walker, but then if we're looking beyond that, um, Traylon works coming back off IR is a very positive step, but the situation there is that offense isn't going to pass the ball a huge amount. But Rondell Moore is also pitching together what we would have hoped that he would have done in his rookie season, but in the second season, now that he is healthy, he is moving forward, but there is reports that Marquise Brown is likely to be back in the, the near future. So we'll see how that affects him. Standout here, Sean, has to be Kenneth Walker.
2: It does have to be. Rashad Penny sadly injured in Week Five. Starting with that week, Walker's averaged 19.5 points per game. He's the RB three in that stretch. Overall, in part because he hasn't had his buy, the RB nine in points per game. Obviously, you take either one of those. His peripherals are fantastic. You watch him run, and you can see that sub four four speed. He adds in the receptions this last week when the rushing yards aren't there. They expect to get him more involved as a receiver going forward. He's someone who has been the number one guy in the 2022 zero RB candidates countdown. It's fun to see him hitting and being the next guy in line there. He's also someone who continues to rise in my dynasty rankings. And then in terms of dynasty, the another player who took a big jump this week and finished the the draft season as I believe my number two or three exposure in at the receiver position in underdog was Rondell Moore. He starts the season injured and so you feel like you're already playing from behind. He misses those first three games and then comes out and it's a, a pretty slow start despite the fact that most of the time or I should say that this, during this entire stretch, it's either overlapping with Brown or overlapping with Hopkins, but not both only 6.2 targets per game from weeks four to seven. But column, he is then completely blown up over 10 targets per game in the last three, 18.9 in the scoring column. Those are high end wide receiver numbers. You can see what, you know, reportedly is sub 4-3 speed, obviously more coming out during the year where we didn't have the combine, but also that 40-inch vertical. He had the highlight catch this week. Gets a little bit lost because there were so many highlight catches, but that's a downfield target, and that's the other part with Moore's game that we want to see a lot more of, which is that he can get down the field. He can be their version of Tyree Kill. More now, someone you're not going to be able to buy low on as much or as successfully. But you think about what he's doing, you think about Brown coming back, the injury and just the discontent, shall we say, with Kyler Murray. We didn't talk a ton about the Rams-Cardinals game from this last week, but one of the things that really stood out to me is that while the Rams have this huge downgrade at the quarterback position, and that could only be expected, as only fair, Colt McCoy, while not putting up gaudy numbers, does bring a presence and a calmness and an ability to just competently run what the Cardinals want to run that really has been missing from Murray. And so I don't think that we can completely ignore that and just say buy Murray at whatever cost or you know, whatever situation, because he's gonna have these three wide receivers, he's gonna run a little bit more and more successfully, at least in stretches. You look back at some of the times when he's been healthy and he's had weapons over the past two or three years and he scores a ton of points. You look at that game with McCoy and you kind of, again, you have questions just like it seemed like the Cardinals had some questions in the offseason. But when you think about what Murray brings as a fantasy QB and you think about more emerging with the way that both Hopkins and Brown have played separately, this is an offense where if you can pick up Murray, if someone is a little bit disenchanted at this point, there could be an avalanche of <laughs> fantasy scores and fantasy value over the next you know, six, seven weeks, but then also the next three to five years.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So, Sean, as we move in now to round 11, what I'm going to do here is we're not going to talk a lot about about QBs in this show. We mentioned so far Matthew Stafford, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers. We talk a lot about the quarterback window. Felt like Rodgers may be in there, but the concern was obviously that Devontae Adams had left and how the rest of this offense would work out. That's kind of been what we've seen. Kirk Cousins obviously tied to um, our good buddy, Justin Jefferson. But, Sean, what I'm going to do here is there's two guys here who I think stand out above all but I'm going to run through all the quarterbacks who are the late round quarterbacks then we're going to see who Sean thinks was the best value quarterback in these late rounds and whether he agrees with me or not there's one name at the very end of this that I think is is an interesting name to to mention but this is going to be the win bet quarterback of the year and this is the one Sean that so far has gone good but this is the league winner there's there's a couple of names here who will definitely be on one of those massive massive prizes at the end of the season you can sign up to WinBet today special sports offer for all our listeners bet one hundred dollars win one hundred dollars download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning today sean here is the names spoiler alert first one maybe the winner it's justin fields quarterback 16 then we have quarterback 17 then we have Trevor Lawrence then we move into the next round in round 12 we have Jameis Winston as the only quarterback round 13 Matt Ryan is the only quarterback round 14 we have Jared Goff and Daniel Jones round 15 Mac Jones Baker Mayfield Ryan Tannehill round 16 is Davis Mills Deshaun Watson then we have Carson Wentz Marcus Mariota in round 17 Zach Wilson round 18 Mitch Trubisky round 19 Sean quarterback 33 last pick and most of these drafts and the twentieth round. So if you're in those eighteen round drafts, this this guy might not been getting drafted at all. Geno Smith has uh, the he, that's an extreme extreme value for anyone who bet on Geno Smith and, and picked him up and stacked him with any of the the wide receivers from uh, Lockett to Metcalf. But I still think at this point it has to be Justin Fields. Do you think that with a nine round discount and you know over? Basically double the quarterbacks going after him that won't be for him. Do you think Geno Smith has a case to be the quarterback of the year here versus Justin Fields or Tua? And who is your pick?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's got a shot, right? Averaging over 21 points per game. And that's awesome. Especially now when you have this potential for him to be matched up with DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. As you go down the stretch there, if one of the two of those players carries teams through that 15-16 gauntlet, right? So, whether you're playing FFPC, underdog, you need to go get through those first couple of weeks. And then, if you're still alive, there probably will be some Geno Smith and either Metcalf or Lockett teams in there with you. But then, potentially, you can have your big time QB be the one to then win it in week 17. Or you could see the opposite of that, where you manage to get Gino and Lockett or Metcalf through, and then they blow up in the final week. Colin, you and I had joked a lot about playing that Seahawks-Jets game in week 17.
1: It has to be Garrett Wilson on the way back now, because unfortunately the Brees Hall option isn't there.
2: Right, but I mean, this is always going to be, if you're going to have that passing game shootout, you need to have Garrett Wilson emerge and get those 15 targets in the final week. We're still a little bit away from seeing that as that realistic an option, but he plays well in week nine, even though the Bills know he's coming. You have Zach Wilson playing finally, like, borderline competent football. You could have that. And so if you have Wilson, which we do a lot, if you have Gino, which we do a lot, especially in Superflex. So a lot of our FFPC Superflex teams have him at the end as we tried a little bit of a contrarian build early. Those teams are sitting in pretty good shape. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. You talk about the QB position as a whole. Obviously, we're looking at the tight end window. I mean, the quarterback window. This is a situation where one of the controversial topics that I think very interesting talk is topics, provocative topics during the offseason was whether or not you want to play the window, whether or not you want to play the elite guys, whether or not you want to go with three quarterbacks and really take your shot and try and pair some of these late round players with their receivers. And, again, I think mostly what we're seeing and what we're going to see is that the QB window will win out. It's still possible, obviously, that Josh Allen will be the guy. Possible that Patrick Mahomes will be the guy. He's playing just extraordinary football. But you have some scoring in the window that is so dynamic. As I go through my teams, not surprisingly, at the top of the leaderboard, you're going to see players who have been successful. So a lot of the Burrow Fields teams, and that was the combination that we recommended the most, that and the Trey Lance, Justin Fields. And so that one not doing as well, because you do have this first month, especially where more or less no one scores. So even though Fields has been on this incredible run, you're still needing to pull back that first month. But then the other guy there is Tua. And so in terms of the rounds they were going in, and in terms of the positional rank where they were going, Fields and Tua were at the end of the QB window that we see historically looking through the tools, 16, 17, and that round type of area, such fantastic results, and it's happening again. I definitely feel like I should have been higher on Tua with as much Hill and specifically Jalen Waddle as I was drafting, so I would consider that to be uh, a miss on my part there, but it's been really fun to watch these two offenses, especially over the last month, maybe somebody from that last group will hit. But not only are those QBs struggling to score, you have guys like Goff and Daniel Jones who are doing okay. But when you look at where is the wide receiver to match them with, and if you're going for a QB beyond the window, you need not only that player to score pretty well, but you need to be something where somehow you would pull a wide receiver with him Amon Ra might have been in position to do that with Goff, but he has this big stretch of the season where he's injured. So if you're still going to get a Goff-Amon Ra team through, and I would suggest that that probably hasn't positioned you particularly well so far. But if you get that team through, then maybe there's a shot there. The Lions outscoring the Chicago Bears last week. The Lions had not looked good offensively for a while. I think it really hurts Goff to not have Hawkinson. It hurts him to not have swift, healthy, the weapons that it appeared he was going to be surrounded with versus the weapons that he has now—very, very different. Maybe there's still a shot for him. Yeah, you look at Fields, you look at Tua, and they've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah,
1: they've been they've been amazing, and you know it still feels like with somebody like Gino that it could all just fall apart very quickly. You know, you get that kind of Cinderella story, and then it's you know slumps off a little bit towards the end, but. I do think they're quarterback 33. Like we see a gap from Justin Fields all the way down. The names that I rounded off there, there's so many of them that have either missed games, have been dropped, you know, by their own managers, not fantasy managers, actual head coaches, like Matt Ryan, for example, but he's back in. Jameis Winston, but he's back in. Mac Jones, but he was maybe the shortest bench in an NFL history with him. But, you know, there's a, a lot of movement there. Baker Mayfield, Zach Wilson, just you know Mitch Trubisky, Carson Wentz so there's a a lot of them in there so again proving the the value just off the the quarterback window overall but Sean looking through rounds 11 and 12 then to see the actual players that were non-quarterbacks drafted we have Tyler Boyd, Kenneth Gainwell, Michael Carter who's obviously in a prime spot now with the uh, injury to Brees Hall but he's joined in that back this year more than ever lots of movement of where these players were and where they are now and how things have moved around mentioned the he Hines in the last round obviously he is now a buffalo bill but is not getting really involved in their offense at all but chase claypool is now a chicago bear then we have hunter henry rashad white trevor lawrence who i mentioned already but then david njoku romeo dobbs Jahan dodson then we move into james robinson alexander madison isaiah pacheco michael gallup gerald everett garrett wilson tyler higby mike gosicki russell gage julio jones nico collins I think out of those rounds, there's a lot of interesting players. We can see the ascension potentially happening of Rashad White. Dobbs was on that path until he got injured. We've seen flashes from Dotson along the way. Pacheco could be on that ascent. But I think out of those two rounds, the, the player that we touched on a moment ago has to be the the winner with the wide receiver 56 in Garrett Wilson.
2: Garrett Wilson has played well. The switch from Joe Flacco to zach wilson has not been as favorable for the receiving options in that offense but what he's been able to do within that context is pretty extraordinary also had some games in which he took wicked hits and had to miss a little bit of time was not completely 100 percent even when he's out there running some of those routes what he could have done in a slightly different context probably something a little bit more similar to what justin jefferson did a couple of years ago We'll watch him sort of with bated breath to see if he can do that down the stretch to see if he can do that over his first two or three years. He has skyrocketed in the dynasty rankings. Another receiver kind of in that range who gets missed a lot is Tyler Boyd. We like to talk about him for so long. We had him as one of the guys in the intro that you always play before overtime. He's averaging over 13 points per game. He was a player we recommended as an option for playing this Week 17 Buffalo Cincinnati contest because (laughs) he's a lot less expensive, right? So you can put some other elite players together in builds that you like and then come back with a player such as Boyd in round 11. And people tend to get worried about the upside What we demonstrated in the article is that the upside is there. The inconsistency, which you actually like to see in some cases in best ball, is there. This is a season in which he has four double-digit games, but two of those are over 20 points. You look down the stretch. Yes, Jamar Chase has been back, but Boyd has had some big games with and without him. In some cases, having Chase there to draw the coverage even opens him up. And so Boyd, definitely a winner in this type of category. Rashad White, someone who could be the winner over the second half, he was one of our priority targets because of the upside in the Buccaneers offense. We know just how valuable that Leonard Fournette role has been and now looks like he's going to go ahead of Fournette. He more than doubles his career high in rushing attempts in their victory over the Seahawks. He goes over 100 yards. I think the mild concern would be that in that particular game they become so run heavy as they try to bleed the clock and soak up all these snaps while they have the lead is that he doesn't do the receiving element and he's not looked particularly dynamic as a receiver yet at the nfl level and that was the thing coming out of arizona state to have a guy with the size speed profile that he brings who also looked so comfortable as a wide receiver or in the receiving game had that wide receiver element to him for him to have looked. I don't know, discombobulated is really the right term, but just definitely not comfortable out there in the receiving game and hasn't been able to show off the athleticism, hasn't been able to break those big plays as a receiver. If he could add that element over the season's second half, then he could be the big winner. As we look for guys, and you can't obviously change your best ball lineup, but as we go through this exercise, it's obviously very relevant as well for redraft when you're looking at trades, when you're looking at waiver ads in shallow leagues obviously we know that the players who are rostered in small medium and large leagues very very different and we think about who could be the 2022 version of a sony michelle or a Devin singletary or a Shad penny guys who really just hadn't done much at all until they win massive tournaments for people white looks like he could be a guy
1: yeah, it definitely feels like that way, Sean. Round 13 and 14, I think, are going to be interesting. There's a, a number of names in here that we were drafting a lot of, and there's a number of names in here that are either hitting or primed to hit. So we get into the tight end position with Evan Ingram, then Khalil Herbert, who unfortunately is out now for the next couple of weeks. We get Joshua Palmer, then Isaiah McKenzie, Matt Ryan, Raheem Mostert, JD McKissick, Jacoby Myers, Tyler Algier, Noah Fant, who we drafted a lot of, then Brian Robinson. Robert Tunyon hooking back around. We get McCall Hardman, Amir White, Jamal Williams, DJ Chark, Daniel Jones, KJ Osborne, then Austin Hooper, Wendell Robinson, Hayden Hurst, Jared Goff, who we touched on earlier, Isaiah Likely, and then Devonte Parker. Lots of interesting names in there, Sean. Raheem Moster was one we talked about a lot in the offseason. Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson is one of Zachary Kruger's favorite guys. Had a pretty solid game in NFL Week Ten. McCall Hardman has had some flashes but with injuries and competition now we will see if that continues. Jamal Williams has been a massive success for anyone who drafted him with the injury to DeAndre Swift and him missing time he's had a lot of uh, big games in there. Looking through those names Sean this feels like an area where running back was was quite strong to draft. Herbert had looked good too up until up until his recent injury. Jacoby Myers is somebody at the wide receiver position who has, has been strong as well but this feels like a a really strong range of, of running backs, again, helping out those zero RB builds.
2: Yeah, and I think the one that is probably the most disappointing for us is Jamal Williams and how well he's played and or how good the situation has been for him. Again, in week 10, he more or less looks like a guy who is limiting the offense, but he gets in on a short yard care- yardage carry and scores another touchdown So yeah, another very playable game from him in best ball you don't have to pick those out but he's been a, a very strong and steady starter in redraft as well we mentioned the short yardage touchdown he gets in that game he came into week 10 number two in the entire nfl at the running back position in terms of green zone opportunities and actually, gapping the third place player there. So, if you were to bet on who is going to be number two in that category at this point in the season, Jamal Williams probably not one of the main guys who would be on your radar. But he has done that. He has been a big winner
1: at the moment at that value. He any teams that he is on, he has set them up as like. He may not be the league winner down the stretch, but he's put them into a position to be league winners based on his performances so far.
2: Yeah. And that's one of the things too. I mean, we can get so caught up in zero RB and how it's going to help you through the buys. Once people break out, it's going to help you benefit from the chaos of the season. It's going to help you down the stretch to win tournaments. Sometimes, unfortunately, that chaos occurs in week one or two, like it does there with Swift. And if you have a functional offense in a good sort of all around backup, and this uh, really a bounce back season for Williams after last year during the times when Swift wasn't hundred percent, he did not perform particularly well. We have a profile that we like when we're picking our zero RB guys that profile. And it's really more than one. We have a, a several different profiles that we like to sprinkle in and have some balance between, but even guys who don't fit that and don't end up with a really high roster percentage on our teams, you still get some other hits too. And Jamal Williams has been that guy. The running backs coming out of this range have done very well. And they're carrying teams. So you do get these situations where zero RB guys will help you get to the playoffs or help you get to that tournament and then allow someone else to win for you. He's definitely doing that. Raheem Mostert doing a little bit of that. But the receiver here, and this is a Ben Gretsch favorite, but the receiver here who's broken out, Within the context of this Patriots offense, that so many people were so concerned about an offense that has had an injury to Mac Jones, an offense that obviously had all the controversy in the offseason with who's going to be calling the plays. Is the offense going to be too simple? Do you actually have any quarterback upside? Jacoby Myers comes into week 10 and they have a buy in week 10 number 21 in targets per route, number 12 in yards per route because he's been very efficient on a yards per target basis with these quarterbacks, that target per route number at 25%. So even in this sort of deep and muddled Patriots receiving core, he has stood out in a very big way, number 15 at the receiver position in points per game. The Patriots just are not flashy. Jacoby Myers is not flashy. They didn't play last week. and so. It's easy for him to get lost, and yet Myers has been absolutely fantastic this season.
1: Yeah, it's been been really excellent, and he's been very, very fun to watch. When we go through these next couple of rounds, listeners will be noticing there, there's a lot of names that, when I mention they're they're probably like, oh yeah, he was going at that point, or certain values. It was similar in the, the show that we did last week, Sean, but there is a lot of players here who I'm sure people are hearing, and they're probably <laughs> regretting some of those selections. But we move into... Somebody who became kind of a, a comedy bit in some of our shows, Sean, who I don't think we ever drafted at any point. That was Brevin Jordan. That turned out to be a good decision not to draft him. He's tight in 26, Jarvis Landry, Eno Benjamin, who is now with the Texans after being released by the Cardinals over the past couple of days. Jalen Tolbert, who's been uh you know, working his way into the season. KJ Hamler's had to continue to deal with his injuries as he works his way back from those offseason surgeries and also the offense and how they're going. Jarrett McKinnon has flashed at moments. We have Alec Pierce who has flashed in moments. Logan Thomas, Mac Jones, Baker Mayfield, Terry and Davis Price, Ryan Tannehill, Isaiah Spiller, Jeff Wilson, who I think could be the winner of these rounds. Marvin Jones, Mo Cox, Mark Ingram, Robbie Anderson, Jameson Williams, who we have yet to see this season. Deshaun Watson, similarly so with the suspension. Christian Watson, who has his breakout performance in week 10. Amir Abdullah, Davis Mills. And that 16th round winds down with Kenny Galladay. Sean, you mentioned on the show earlier this week, Russell Wilson's contract being potentially the worst contract in NFL history. I do think that Kenny Galladay is going to give him a run for his money based on what the Giants have paid him over the last two seasons. It does feel like, obviously, he's been moved out from the situation he was in with the 49ers. I think Jeff Wilson's probably the, the winner through those two rounds. Have you anyone that's standing out specifically for you? If you could go back and redraft your teams now who you would want to try and get into as many lineups as possible
2: we do see again with this the importance of building your roster in those first 13 14 rounds in a way that will work and not being overconfident in the way you can balance out your positional allocations or add to your talent in these late rounds now, when you go back and look at the teams that win, they're going to have to hit on some of these. So you can say, if my team wins anyway, then you almost have to factor in hits so you can factor that in positionally. But we know that there aren't going to be very many. And especially you look at the wide receiver position and why we've been talking about for years, you know since the birth of the show, but over the last 18 months, the fantasy community has started to emphasize, the importance of loading up at receiver before you get to this juncture, because you're just not going to score points. And you can see that as we look through all of these late rounds, Watson, a really cool performance this last week. If you have a good team that had him on it, I think you're excited about that. If you needed him to be scoring some points for <laughs> you and you were counting on him as part of what the Green Bay Packers were going to do this year. Those
1: teams are in trouble.
2: Those teams are still in trouble, right? You look at really the entire rest of the draft and the only guys who are helping at all are Paris Campbell and Curtis Samuel. And that's still at a very low level. And especially if you want to think about this from an underdog lens with the half PPR, those underneath guys not doing as much for you. Someone we drafted a decent amount in round 20. Basically, the final round, whatever format you're doing, Lavisca Chenault, another player who actually gets moved and hasn't been a big part of the season. But even that handful of touchdowns that he scored, the couple of big plays, the one that he has in Week Nine, standing out most recently. the The scoring profile from these players is so limited that those plays will help you. But again, they're going to be few and far between. You can't count on them. We do like to take and to emphasize rounding out the running back position here, Jerick McKinnon has been a very viable kind of end of the roster, score a few points here and there for you when you need it kind of player. He's been good for redraft as well as he's emerged as a guy who, almost regardless of game script, has scored just enough points that you can put him in and not feel like you're going to take a zero there. But as you mentioned, Jeff Wilson, the player who is emerging here, Zach and I have him on our best team. And even though you can argue that this last week in particular has been something of a dagger for one of our other favorites in Raheem Mostert, for Wilson to go to the Dolphins and be in that juggernaut, anywhere that you have him, it's extremely exciting.
1: Yeah, there's some of those teams, Sean, you know, when you check how your teams are doing on a Tuesday and some of the best ball teams that are starting to move into contention there's a few of those that actually had christian watson on them this week and that's those players getting them into the lineup at this point of the season can become incredibly intriguing you know even somebody like some rosters that might have like a jameson williams on it who hasn't got onto the field we'll see if he does get onto it. but some of the players we've mentioned here who we've only seen glimpses of, maybe a wendell robinson those players could be very fun down the stretch here if it's a case that, that like you mentioned the team had enough to continue to move you forward until this point but yeah there's a there's a lot of players in this range that looking back there's a lot of players we weren't drafting at the time but there's a lot of players then that just uh, aren't working out at this current moment in time moving in now sean to the the real later stages here i did mention we may get into the all 20 rounds what i might do is mention some of the the names we were drafting or the names that potentially could work out well in that 19th and 20th round range and we'll do 17 and 18 here That's going to give us Carson Wentz, Paris Campbell, uh, Van Jefferson, Cameron Brits, Sammy Watkins, Corey Davis, Marcus Mariota, Taysom Hill, who was an interesting conversation at this time. He was tight end 30, and he is, I think, well and truly delivered already on that at this point of the season, but wasn't somebody that I drafted very much of at all, very, very limited shares of him then we have Rex Burkhead, Zay Jones who has performed quite well this season in Jacksonville, Deontay Foreman who's had a couple of big games now that Christian McCaffrey's been traded, Tyler Conklin, Zach Wilson, Sonny Michel who I drafted a lot a lot of he then got moved and has still not had any impact on the season at running back 64 but those late round picks um, you know sometimes you can't rely on them all that much. Uh, Mike Davis, Daniel Bellinger who's unfortunately injured at the moment, Anthony McFarland, Jonah Smith, Kenyon Drake, boston scott david bell kenny pickett curtis samuel and jalen warren rounds out round 18 sean looking through some of the other names then when we run through the other players donovan people's jones was round 19 wide receiver 84 he has had a couple of good weeks that he's put uh back to back looking through the rest of the names then probably the one that's standing out is potentially having the most upside is trey mcbride now that unfortunately zach Ertz is out for the the rest of the season mcbride was somebody i was heavily targeting you don't want to see those injuries happen but he feels like If it's going to happen this year, he's in the perfect scenario for that to happen. At this point, Odell Beckham, who there's reports around his free agency status, he was wide receiver 86 in the 20th round. Jalen Rager, he's got moved, hasn't had a lot to happen for him. But Vesca who you mentioned, had a few big plays uh, so far this season after being moved, wide receiver 90. And then Geno Smith, who I mentioned, Mr. Irrelevant there at the the end of the draft, having a a great season from a fantasy perspective. Sean, through those names, that's four rounds I've kind of thrown at you, but some names in there of interest, uh, David Bell was somebody we were drafting quite a bit off and we'll see how his season finishes up, but I don't know, Zay Jones might be the, the name there for me that I, I find stands out. Who are you looking at?
2: Well, probably on the list of most disappointing players for this year, David Bell would be on it. Now you say most disappointing only because it's this sort of contingency-based play where you know that. All of the probabilities are skewed in the direction of him doing more or less nothing because you have this unathletic, you know, middle round to really draft it in the reality draft after you would expect the impact players to have gone off the board. You have a bad offense. And so, from all of that, you're thinking, well, I mean, he's not going to do anything. That's what you should expect. And yet, because his prospect profile did have some very interesting elements to it, and because the Cleveland Browns are not loaded at the receiver position and probably the weakest wide receiver depth chart in the NFL. I mean, they're going to be competing with teams like the Giants and the Houston Texans for that status. You, you think he's got a shot and he did finally play a little bit better in week 10, drew some targets there. Hey, you know, if you're a believer, maybe you make the case that if there's a player, Deshaun Watson unlocks, If in fact he does anything, we've talked about how there is risk that, especially in the short term, he doesn't actually act as an upgrade on Jacoby Brissett, who has played better than anticipated, but maybe Bell continues to develop the notes out of Cleveland are that they're pretty happy with his trajectory. So expectations there may be somewhat muted, but that's an interesting one. And then for me, Trey McBride, you see him on the field a lot more, obviously gets The season high, and (laughs) because it's his rookie season, the career high, and snaps with the injury to Zach Ertz. He's someone who was a dynamic receiving talent in college, much more athletic than people realize if you didn't follow sort of the prospect portion time of the fantasy season. There is some upside there, and we do like him. We have a lot of exposure late. Again, when you're drafting these late players, you're looking for the really big hits, knowing that you know, probably whoever you draft isn't going to score for you. And especially now that tight end dries up more and more every week with the 49ers offense going in the direction it's going with Waller looking like someone who you know may not ever do anything. And then with the injuries this week to Ertz and to Dallas Goddard, anybody who has athleticism has demonstrated some receiving ability, plays in an explosive offense. You're going to be excited about all of those elements. And we know that the second half of the season is a more likely time period for scoring from a player at a position like tight end where you're trying to learn multiple things, it would be awesome if he got going. But then you look at some of the other elements where he has been at least a mild disappointment so far. And then you talk about the trio of receivers they have. You look at James Conner being very involved again last week. Even with Ertz out and the fact that Ertz was taking a, a large number of targets to that point the Cardinals' offense is evolving, and with it being so much influx, I guess I wouldn't think that McBride is actually going to be that involved going forward.
1: Yeah, I'm not overly optimistic, but versus a week ago when he he wasn't getting anything, I, I guess if it doesn't happen now, it's not happening. But the later rounds, as you can see, they're going through it. The big thing, and Sean, this is something that we talk about a lot: is when you're in fantasy in general, there's going to be a lot of things that we get wrong not you're you're not going to get everything right and there's going to be a lot of it that changes it and this season more than ever we've seen even in those last rounds we've talked about the amount of players who have moved teams that's not something that you can account for at the start of the season when you're drafting these rosters and then just having the humility that when you are drafting these teams that especially when you're in round 15 and beyond like not every player that you think is going to hit is going to hit so it's about having that overall roster construction to balance things out and try and really attack all those picks but but especially those those early picks but that is going to do it for today's show sean any final thoughts on how that second half of the draft shaped up in terms of versus other years in terms of hits and misses for adp versus what we would see other years i think injuries and and things like that have have shook it up a lot more than we would normally see at this point of the season this season
2: For me, it just is the excitement of seeing what some of these young players can do over the second half. When you have all of these successful teams and you're winning main events, you're winning best ball leagues, and then hopefully tournaments, finishing high in tournaments, when you watch your young players ascend in dynasty, you can end up being not actually overly confident, but having a little bit of a skewed perspective of how many of the players actually hit and where they hit from when you're talking about some of these redraft types of leagues. One of the things I do find very helpful is to go back and look at how many of the players hit and look at what kind of production you get from rounds 11 through 20. And the thing that I consistently find is that while you have to have some hits, the vast majority of teams, even teams that finish high-end tournaments for you, you just don't have that much contribution from the double-digit rounds. And that helps you sort of calibrate your expectations for future drafts and to remember that the positional allocations and the overall draft structure in the first 10 is so crucial. And so I think that that's what this exercise does. And at the same time, when you see those players who have hit and then you think about your rosters and the players who are now on the verge Right, We have players who in rounds nine through 20 are definitely not winners yet, but getting to track guys like a Rashad White, for example, who seems like he's right there. To see what they do the rest of the season and to get your excitement up for that by going through this particular exercise, I mean, that's my favorite part of it.
1: Yes, with Sean in there is Rashad White is going to be this year's Devin Singletary, and Sean said kind of what I was trying to say. Sean said there in a, a much better and succinct way. So thanks, Sean, for adding that in. But that is going to get us to the end of today's show. Again, today's episode brought to you by Blue Wire and WinBet. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. Add over to Martin, my co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can check out all of his work up on rotaviz.com. if you are looking to sign up for a Rotaviz nfl pass you can use the code rv radio 2022 at checkout to get yourself a 10 percent discount while signing up that gets you access to all of our content and tools and until we are back with the recap show for you early monday morning have a good one